Exploring Spiritual Questions podcast. Episode 5. After the pandemic, how can we reflect on this? Yes, we're all living in uncertain times. I read somewhere that coronavirus could flare up again. Alternatively, it could burn out like a firework. Who knows? For many of us, the lockdown means stress from being cooped up at home. Worry about income, more frustration, not to mention increased health concerns for loved ones and ourselves. In addition, staying in can truly be a sacrifice if we live alone. But self-isolation is a chance for reflection and change. This opportunity goes for the rest of us too. Our usual way of life has paused. After all, we've had more time on our hands, more chance to ponder carefully about things maybe even stepping out of our usual preoccupation with our own particular concerns to consider what really matters, what is actually of lasting importance. After the pandemic, we will get back to work, school and elsewhere, but will there be a new normal, a new start? Will any differences emerge following the enforced shutdown of usual business? This is now the chance to engage in some reflection about this. But how do we do it? The trouble is, we can lose sight of the bigger picture of our life if we are caught up in the minutiae of daily concerns. How then do we step out of endless negative thoughts that just go round and round in circles, getting nowhere. How do we stop being preoccupied with our worries and gain a deeper perspective? Here are six tips on how to do this. 1. Make time for quietness alone. 2. Challenge excuses for not to bother. 3. Have a starting point. 4. Mull things over. 5. Look above self. And 6. Consider one's life's goals. OK then, here goes with number 1. Make time for quietness alone. I say to myself, Come on, Steve, why not create a few minutes' space away from other people, perhaps in the garden or taking a walk, and then I can deliberately engage in this process I'm calling reflection. Some people call it self-reflection. I need to engage a level of the mind which isn't in problem-solving mode or being quick to react to what's going on around me. 
In other words, I need to become more aware of wider considerations and ideas. Okay, then number two. Challenge excuses for not doing this. Well, these are legion. I've started to notice the excuses I've come up with for not bothering to practice reflection. I need to challenge the idea that I have no opportunity for this activity. We can always make time for something if we drop something less important. Likewise, let me question the notion that reflection is a waste of time. You may think you can't do anything about poverty, so why bother thinking about it? However, if that particular topic happens to keep nagging at you, then perhaps you need to work through it before you can put it to one side, albeit for a short while. Yes, our thoughts can turn into a pleasant fantasy or daydream. But with a bit of practice, I've noticed my mind can pick up on something and exploring it make some discoveries. When thinking about my life, I found out what I want, that I do want certain things, and I found out what I expect from them. More often than not, I've discovered mixed motives, what I do. Untangling these motivations, I found quite helpful. Third tip. What about having a good starting point? Well, start the period of contemplation with whatever is uppermost in your mind. You've got to begin somewhere. And this is as good a place as anywhere else. For instance, it could be a social concern, a personal problem, perhaps a family matter, a simple question or just a vague feeling that beckons you. Oh, over, over the last few days, I have started off with three topics. These topics have been connecting with people poverty, and the issue of consumerism. These three topics have been on my mind and they've triggered feelings of unease in me for some reason. So why not reflect on these, I say to myself. These can be my starting points. OK then, connections between people. I guess I might feel concerned about being separate and apart from others. I'm thinking of the importance of my experiencing a sense of connection with people. You know, the need for this is brought home to me because I'm banned from visiting family and friends. You see, I'm seen as vulnerable if I were to get the infection, which is probably true because I'm no longer young and I have my own medical problems to consider. A second starting point for me has been to do with this issue of poverty, which I'm calling social inequality. People, you know, are not in the same boat, are they? Not when it comes to riding this coronavirus storm. I've actually heard someone say that the virus has put inequality into sharp relief. Yes, 
I think it has. I'm thinking of the contrast between the circumstances of permanent workers with those circumstances of those in a less secure jobs. Also, the vastly different rates of pay people have. The third issue I find myself thinking about was prompted recently by my noticing a bit more evidence of our throwaway society. When I go for my daily work, my daily walk, I've started seeing litter on the canal towpath, as well as roadside fly tipping. What I've seen locally may trigger different thoughts in you, but it has reminded me of the issue of consumerism. It seems to be buying things, consuming them, and then throwing them away at the cost of neglecting the environment and also inner values. Oh, hang on a minute. What do I mean by consumerism? Well, I suppose something to do with shopping. Shopping for nicer things, better car, foreign holidays, smarter home, latest gizmo, gadgets, whatever. I've hardly been in a shop for weeks. Am I really missing shopping? I suppose I have shopped a bit on the internet, to be fair. Then I'm thinking, well, many people expect to be able to go to concerts and to the cinema and restaurants. That's not been happening either. But I hear that since the shutdown, families have been making their own entertainment rather than buying it away from home. So that's been my starting points. The fourth tip is mull them over. Mull them over. Ah, there are no easy answers or ways forward for all these matters. So I need to loosen up my mind. I need to take in various other ideas and feelings. I need to slow down in my thinking about these matters. I need to ponder them. I need to let the mind wander as it pleases. As long as it starts at the starting point and gets back there eventually, I suppose. Yes, don't be frightened to allow your mind to take you places you haven't visited lately. Admittedly, it can feel uncomfortable if we wander off into unfamiliar areas. It's a good idea to try to adopt a friendly attitude to our thoughts without jumping to reject them as unworthy. Even thoughts we wouldn't really normally have or we feel a bit uneasy about or even ashamed of. Let's just hold back a minute. Let's not jump in. Let's just allow thoughts to wander in and out as they please. This is reflecting, this is mulling over, this is pondering. This isn't jumping to conclusions, this isn't making judgments. Not yet, anyway. Let's just be mindful of the central issue where we set off and try to get back there from time to time. Well, what did I do I, when I was mulling over this business of social connection? I started to recall that before the pandemic there had been a trend, which I have really did notice, of some mothers working full-time, many mothers staying late at work even, 
and children were going to all sorts of activities, to games, music, tuition, all sorts of things, and the parents had to take them like taxi drivers. No wonder family dinners were getting less common. Everyone was on the go all the time. Leading a hectic pace of life, I've noticed. Easy for me to say now I've retired from earning a living, although I'm still busy. I think I'm busy in a leisurely way, though. During the lockdown, many couples are stuck indoors together, 24-7. In some cases, in fact many cases, with kids who are off school. And let's consider the single people. Many of these have been obliged to return to the parental home. Otherwise they'd be alone all the time. So families have been sharing more time together. I wonder, has this been a chance for closer connection? Has it been an opportunity to better learn how to relate together? Better learn patience? Becoming more tolerant, perhaps? Learning self-restraint? All things that would be good if they could continue after the lockdown. And then I start to think about social connection in terms of social distancing. You see, when we have to keep away from each other and on the street, we have to be aware of the other people's needs and their concerns. We're all having to accept some discomfort and boredom. But why? The government say to protect potential COVID-19 patients who may not otherwise find adequate hospital treatment. Stay at home and save lives has been what I've heard anyway, and I think there's a lot in that. It is good to see and experience people helping each other at these difficult times. I guess never before can so many people have worked with such common purpose to discover so much about one thing so fast whether it be trying to develop a immunity for the virus or trying to create more opportunities for manufacturing protective clothing and masks. Lots of things have been our focus. I really do have a renewed hope in a shared sense of unity with people across my country and across the world for that matter. All of us, aren't we, facing the same challenge? The spirit of kindness has been shown, I think anyway, by the unprecedented thousands of people signing up for voluntary activities while they are off work. And this has really been commented on in the media. People want to do something to help others, which is great. Even if it's only clapping on a Thursday evening, or putting up a big sign outside your house, which I saw yesterday. Let us support the NHS workers and the key workers, it said, thanks to them. Yes, because these people are putting their lives at risk. Let's be honest about it. If you're in constant contact with potential COVID-19 sufferers, then you are in constant risk of catching some kind of infection yourself. I'm feeling more aware not only of local people, but also Volunteers we hear about who are braving the virus to provide a service to those in need. Unsung heroes. 
The second if, issue, if you remember, I wanted to start off with was inequality. And again, this links in with key workers, many of whom are undervalued and low paid, aren't they? I'm starting to realise that people I tend to take for granted don't get paid very much. Supermarket staff, refuse collectors. Well, I knew about care home staff, but let's not forget the delivery drivers and many others. Yes, I think we should challenge the value society places on the jobs of many low-paid workers, on whom we rely enormously to keep us safe. Now, what about consumerism? Well, here are some random thoughts about that, too. I feel in myself sometimes. I want, I want, I want. And then I pull myself up sharp. You know, not everything I want do I actually need. Not everything I get excited about is really essential and useful in my life. And then I wonder, have I been living beyond my means? How many people rely on credit card debt? You know, financial uncertainty means putting money aside. What do I value about going for a picnic in the park or being satisfied with ordinary country walks? Not the latest device, not the latest car or fashion. A new economic crisis could arise around the corner. Now I can do something good. I can cut my coat according to my cloth. And I think, on reflection, this applies to the whole country. I don't agree with austerity, but I do feel strongly that raising the national debt means a huge burden for the people that live after us, our children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren and future generations. How on earth do we get that balance? I'm glad I'm not a government minister. I just wouldn't know what to do. The fifth uh, tip I'm sharing is this idea of looking above self. Well, where does that come from? Looking above self, and what does it mean? Well, I happen to be a lifetime reader of the books of a spiritual philosopher called Emanuel Swedenborg. And he talks about looking above self and compares it with looking below self. And it does seem to be quite a meaningful distinction. What does he mean then? Well, looking above self is considering what is good for one's family, one's friends and community and country, and letting that inform what we try to do. He says that looking below self is the opposite. It's akin to closing the mind to other people's needs, to closing the mind to a higher view, a more a wider perspective. It means really egoism, which does produce a defensive attitude, because it prefers, I think it prefers, dishonest self-justification for doing things my way, rather than following any alternative path. I guess this attitude comes from desiring only one's own welfare as an end in itself. Most importantly, this severely limits a higher meaning and purpose one can personally discover for one's life. Well, number six, what's that? Consciously reflect on your goals. Consciously reflect on your aims in life. 
Ponder about what is really important to us, what we really value. Question our own motives and values. It might involve asking myself, what matters most? Where do I want to take a stand? One's values will start to emerge as one chews over things in a rational way. It means thinking a bit more slowly and calling to mind just this concern about what really matters. We can sometimes forget a once experienced feeling of being called towards a new horizon. We can sometimes actually see a glimpse of a higher plan for our lives and then forget it. Now, this pause in life, is this a chance to kick-start our previous aims? Have I been sidetracked or thrown off course by my personal difficulties? Personal setbacks? Yes, and I don't think I'm any different from most of us. Some of us sometimes do get a touch of disillusionment. Who hasn't been depressed at some point in their life, or felt regret? I certainly have. I felt impatience, even a sense of futility at times. Much of this can be expected. Isn't our deeper personal progress subject to this kind of repeated cycle? A cycle, to my mind, that means feeling awakened to a new purpose, or something new in life, a new sense of expectation, a new, a new sense of perception, and then searching for more understanding of this, and actually finding some conviction and hope only to end up struggling with it, finding it creating setbacks and difficulties. And then the cycle goes up again, with a reawakening to meaning and purpose. It's been my experience, anyway. It seems to be a constant cycle. So, how can these three issues, social connection, poverty and consumerism, how can they be relevant to my goals in life? After the pandemic, I am wondering whether it would be good to spend less time on my own, satisfying my, my own projects, doing my own thing so much of the time. Perhaps I need to spend more time in joint activities with my family, with my wife and grandchildren. I realise that connecting with my local area might be more important to me than I had imagined. Have you heard about any renewed sense of community in your place, triggered perhaps by fear of local businesses going under? A realistic fear, unfortunately, given these economic times. Social distancing, of course, means that although we used to ignore each other in the streets, we have a new form of awareness. We're obliged to pay attention to each other. When I step to one side, I invariably get acknowledged, if not thanked, by passers-by and cyclists on the canal towpath. When chewing over the topic of social injustice, I start to consider specific things which seem relevant to me, like when I notice street beggars in the local town, and I wonder what attitude should I adopt towards them. Or like who to vote for when the election comes round, given different policies regarding illegal immigration.
There is such a dramatic inequality in working and living conditions, and thus health risks, both within our own country and across the world. The issue I want to reflect more on is what can I realistically change in my own behaviour? How can I possibly address the issue within my own very limited sphere of influence? Well, it's a bit easier when I think about consumerism. I suppose one way I could change my behaviour is in relation to travel. I do like to travel, although I don't say I do a lot of travel, but when I do, I love to go on aeroplanes. More people seem to be encouraged by the experience of walking and cycling. Well, this is clearly a good step in the direction of a cleaner, more sustainable environment. There's been a huge drop in air pollution and carbon dioxide levels recorded in cities across the world, it seems. Unfortunately, is this going to last once the pandemic is over? When industry resumes? Is there not likely to be a reversal of the current slump in electricity use? Which, of course, is the reason for the present fall in demand for, for coal, for, for oil and gas. For most people in professional jobs, social distancing has meant a total shift to working from home. Something I've noticed many employees would have liked pre-COVID-19 but have not been allowed to do. If working online from home is practical, then it would mean less commuting, of course, less environmental costs, not to mention less unproductive travel time. Even children are learning about online resources relevant to their education. Being at home more during the lockdown, it seems to me that non-essential car trips by me, not to mention those by plane, seem a bit of a wasteful extravagance, a bit of an unnecessary uptake of scarce resources, just adding a bit more damage to the environment. None of us can change the, others, the way other people act, but we can each resolve to curtail our own unnecessary journeys. We don't have to be limited by cost of and time for travel as we would normally be. We can get more people to be involved on via online meetings. So what, what's, what can we conclude about this business of reflection? It is noticing conflicting thoughts and uncomfortable thoughts at times, but to do so without being caught up in them. It means accepting our own limits. As I said before, I can't control all the things that will happen to me, but I, I can control how I respond. In resolving what to do, I need to accept responsibility for what I can do, even if it is something very little. <laughs> Clean hands may be back in fashion, but I can still wash more carefully than before the crisis. So, using this current pause in the hectic pace of life, can we possibly discover new horizons? Can we gain new insights? Can we clarify goals? Well, the unknown future of health and economic well-being reflects our need to navigate through doubt and fear 
an uncertainty which is built into the very fabric of life, even before coronavirus came along. How to get through life's ups and downs is a constant issue we all have to face. I'm trying to say that only by self-reflection, rather than jumping to emotional reactions, only by taking time out, can we hope to steer a steadier course. So, what are those six, those six tips I've mentioned? 1. Make time for quietness alone. 2. Challenge excuses for not bothering to do this. 3. Have a starting point. You don't need three starting points like I've tried to show. One would do fine. 4. Mull things over. Loosen up your association of ideas. Slow down your thinking process. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't rush to emotional judgment. 5. Look above self. Don't be preoccupied with your own egoistic concerns. And 6. Consider one's life goals. We can only each do what we can do. But hopefully, we will have a chance to put some of what we have learned into action, either now or when the pandemic is over. <laughs>